You're listening to WDW Tales, a glimpse of the Central Florida theme parks from a cast member's perspective. WDW Tales, behind the name tag. And now your host, Justin Stone. Hi everyone, welcome back to WDW Tales. I'm your host, Justin Stone. And today's episode fits within the spooky Halloween season of ghouls and ghosts. And what other episode would I be talking about than one that focuses on the world-famous Haunted Mansion? Now, I could go into this great detail and depth about the history of Haunted Mansion, but what I wanted to do in today's episode was tell you a little bit about uh, an opportunity that cast members get uh, in attractions. Uh, I'm not sure if they get it anywhere else, but we got this opportunity uh, from one attraction to another, and that, of course, is taking a walking tour of the Haunted Mansion at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. So this happened when I was working at the Great Movie Ride. We had scheduled a uh, cross tour of each other's attractions. And so uh, myself and a few of my Movie Ride colleagues had the opportunity to go behind the set pieces and behind the ride and really hear some of the stories that have come from uh, that amazing, amazing attraction. And uh, Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite, favorite attractions. I think it's it's the perennial favorite of of everybody, um, not just uh, not just the theme park aficionados, but I think really everybody has that fondness for uh, for getting a little scared, but not uh, you know not crazy, out of control, uh, frightened, but something that's just a little bit to keep you on edge. And plus. It has, uh, it has so many redeeming qualities uh, hearkening back to its original form of when it was created. So very few changes have happened, um, some for the better, some for the worse. But uh, it is an amazing attraction and, and continues to be a crowd pleaser uh, to this day. Young and old, first time riding, 5,000th time riding, so popular. In the fact, you hear stories about people who want to have their ashes spread in that attraction. Just really weird. Uh, but I guess uh, I guess you want to be one of the 999 happy haunts that frequents that establishment. So to each their own. So what I wanted to talk about today was uh, was a little bit more of the story that we heard of the uh, mansion and. Uh, and to tell you a little bit of behind-the-scenes secrets. Uh, so, let's listen in. So I'd be remiss if I didn't go through a little bit of the history of the Haunted Mansion. And uh, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail because there are 5,000 
websites based on it. If you go to doombuggies.com, it's dedicated to the haunted mansions across the globe. Uh, there's a book uh, written by uh, an ex-imagineer who did a pretty um, marginally okay job talking about the attraction. Uh, but those the pictures are really good, so there's that redeeming quality of it. And then, as I mentioned before, everybody just loves this attraction, so there are so many stories to be told uh, about the histories. So I don't want to really go so far into the you know the museum of the uh, the uh, museum of the absurd or the museum of oddities, which is the original intention. And Ken Anderson, who was a famous uh, famous animator who had the first concept, was tasked with the first concept of coming up with the the mansion. I, I will talk about uh, the battle, the battle of Mark Davis and Raleigh Crump, both heavyweights back in uh, back in Walt's days when uh, when Imagineering was called Mapo, which was short for Mary Poppins, which essentially was the movie that put uh, Disney back on the map and gave them the opportunity to create uh, dis- well, not create Disneyland, but uh, you know, forward. Uh, the advancement of the theme parks. Uh, but anyways, so Mark Davis, uh, unbelievable creator, a huge hero of mine, uh, really was into more of the the zany and wacky, uh, more fanciful. And then Raleigh Crump was a little bit more of a realist. Raleigh looked at, uh, you know, the, the, the tech side of things and, and, and told stories through tech. And uh, it, it, as you may know, Mark really wanted to go all in with the, the zany and kooky and more funhousey type of stuff. And Raleigh really thought he could tell the story through, uh, through spooking you and through hauntingly beautiful effects. And so there was a, a mishmash as the, as the attraction was created. And of course, Walt didn't see the final version. Um, and there was a big debate over how it would go. And, and I think they kind of split the middle, which you could tell. Uh, you know, if you think of the stretching room and the four portraits that Mark did, uh, very beautiful, but in the same sense, kind of a little, a little kooky, the joke in there. And then as you go through the first half of the attraction, so much of that is, is Raleigh. Um, and, and of course, uh, Claude Coates, who did a lot of the art direction and made it all, you know, come to, uh, come to life. Um, but then as you get in the back half and it's a little bit more, uh, going back to kooky. So, I, I think it fits very well. Uh, it's one of those attractions where it's a completely, you know, they're completely different perspectives kind of hitting at once, and, and it's a beautiful thing that came from it. And so uh, I love the way the attraction uh, was, was developed. Even the new one in the Magic Kingdom with the MC Escher-like steps, uh, that's okay. The the hitchhiking ghosts at the end are that's terrible. That is a horrible sacrilege with the the digital additions. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Again, what I, I wanted to really dive into was my experience of being able to walk through this treasured attraction that I've ridden so many times as a little kid and as a guest and as a cast member. I, I finally had the opportunity to to walk it and have a cast member tell me the, their story that they've heard of the Haunted Mansion, and and so I want to share that with you. So I think it was about 1997 when we did this, so it was still pretty much the original Walt Disney World uh, version of the Haunted Mansion. There was no point source audio. Uh, The MC Escher stuff wasn't done. No digital applications. It was very practical 
and uh, it was your you know your quintessential e-ticket dark ride um, with the Omni movers still kind of jittering in the in the animatronics not being quite uh, as as fluid as they could have been uh, today uh, but that's what made it so magical and that's what I loved about it so um, let me kind of get into how we got uh, our first story and, and as we walk through the attraction um, some of the things that I noticed that I thought were interesting so we got there probably like park I think opened at uh, nine o'clock and we got there about 6.45 in the morning, I think maybe 6.30, and we walked up, and first of all, it's it's just walking through the Magic Kingdom with nobody around is still just a, such a cool, cool uh, uh, experience. I mean, the the, uh, the night shift, the third shift, it just wet down all, they just cleaned all the walkways, so, you know, it, it's very wet and uh, clean, and as you walk up, there's no one around, and, you know, the sun's kind of peeking out of the hazy clouds, and there's that you know, beautiful Hudson River Valley mansion looking back at you. And, uh, it's, you just kind of, you take to it, right? You just love the way that it's, it's developed and, and the, the mood that it strikes with you. Um, so we met up with our cast member and, uh, and she was going to be our hostess for the tour. And there's a, uh, there's a lot of, um, discussion around the original story of the haunted mansion. Um, some talk about the, uh, the, evil sea captain some talk about constance the bride which is happening right now the hatchet bride which again uh one of those things that i i don't think works well i don't i don't get the story i don't think there needs to be this evil hatchet wielding bride who continues to kill her her husbands i'm I think it's that's overreaching, I think, for the uh, original idea of the mansion. But there are a lot of different stories. So that's the first question I asked. Is I said, what is the real story? Like, what is the story that you know? And uh, is that the story? And, and this cast member, she, I think she'd been there. She'd worked mansion for like, I think she opened mansion in like maybe 80. Or she didn't open it, but like that was her first attraction. I think 80s when she started. So she'd been there almost 20 years. And you could tell like this was her this was her attraction kind of like if you guys don't know tj at uh, the tower of terror like that's the only attraction he works he's in every book and guide map and everything and he's he's a really cool guy um but she knew this place inside and out so when she told the story to me at least it held a lot of water because she'd been there and she'd kind of been around once uh you know when the imagineers were still kind of tinkering and, and, and messing with things so uh, this is the story that i heard if you heard something similar great if not if you, if you don't believe it, that's fine. Everybody has a story. But this one, I think, was pretty good um, as an explanation of that original attraction. So we are all familiar with Master Gracie, right? Master Gracie is allegedly your ghost host. Master Gracie is the person that you see swinging from the rafters in the stretching room when the lights go out at the beginning of the attraction. Uh so this is the story behind Master Gracie. So Master Gracie, from this cast member, Master Gracie was a, a famous robber baron from New York City, and uh, he, and his family created this mansion in the early 1800s in the Hudson River Valley, so upstate New York, to get away. Uh, that's what everybody did. And, and so um, this family that Master Gracie came from, they were kind of unscrupulous uh, he came from the lineage of his family was unscrupulous business practices, so they weren't the the purest of business partners and and business entrepreneurs uh, as they um, created their wealth, accumulated their wealth. Uh, but he, for the most part, Master Gracie was an all right guy. He wasn't 
as as bad as as the lineage before him um, and he met a young woman named Priscilla at a dance in the Hudson River is some you know downtown or the little town where they were and they immediately fell in love and uh, in the and this was in the late 1800s and they planned to get married at the mansion it was going to be the biggest thing in town everyone was invited um, family members came from across the country it was going to be like the thing was going to happen master Gracie was going to marry Priscilla so as the guests were gathering for the week master Gracie received a knock at the door and he found uh, he found there was an old decrepit gypsy woman and the gypsy woman had a young daughter and this woman immediately took to Master Gracie, uh, mainly because he was the only one who would open the door for them. And uh, unknownst to uh, Master Gracie, uh, she was actually um, a, a captured spirit. And uh, what would it, way for her spirit to be released, her and her daughter's spirit to be released, was to... Uh, was to marry someone and they would become human again uh, but she was too old so she knew master gracie would never be interested in her but he thought maybe that her daughter would make sense and of course we're all thinking that this is of course madame leota and little leota madame leota from the seance scene and little leota from the end of the attraction telling you to hurry back um, so she set about finding a way to get master gracie to fall in love with little leota but as she could see, the whole town was gathering around this mansion because Master Gracie was about to get married. So there was no way that Master Gracie was going to fall in love with her daughter uh, at all, let alone in the, the, you know, the time that they had just met. Uh, so she had to figure out uh, how to get Master Gracie alone, per se. So what she did, she set upon disrupting the marriage and how she did that was during the rehearsal dinner and and let me remind you that uh, at the rehearsal dinner everybody was there it wasn't just the wedding party it was the guests it was everybody uh, the whole town was there uh, Madame Leota suggested a game of hide and seek because Priscilla couldn't see uh, Master Gracie before the wedding so uh, uh, before the rehearsal she said coyly why don't you we play a game of hide and seek and it will prolong the you know the 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 distance between you will be a fun and kind of a coy way to to kind of kick off the marriage. So um, or the the wedding weekend. So she recommended uh, that Priscilla hide in the attic, and there was an old trunk up there, and and so she pr- persuaded her to go hide up in the trunk. And once Priscilla did, Madame Leota locked the trunk, and Priscilla uh, essentially suffocated. So after a day had passed and the wedding party's looking for her and Master Gracie is distraught, he can't find her, uh, she actually, uh, Madame Leota actually revealed herself to be Madame Leota and said, uh, I could see in my crystal ball that Priscilla did not want to marry you, Master Gracie, and she actually fled with her uncle who was a sea captain. And she disappeared and said, no more. And so she told him to marry little Leota and said, I, I have a, a daughter here who's um, about the same age, and uh, if you get, uh, if, if you two will wed, then we will become human again. But Master Gracie didn't believe her. He didn't believe any of it. And so uh, thinking that he could find her spirit, if he could find Priscilla's spirit uh, by essentially uh, 
by killing himself, he would do it so he could find her. And so what he did is he essentially hung himself from the uh, from the top of the foyer, ironically, just a little bit away from the attic where Priscilla's body lay in the trunk. Um, so now Priscilla was dead and Master Gracie was dead. Um, and since Madame Leota caused a good soul to die, actually two, she remained trapped in the mansion. But before being locked in the mansion forever, she enslaved all the souls of the wedding party and the guests as she waits for Master Gracie to accept the offer to marry little Leota. So the story of this is Master Gracie is forever trapped as a soul in the haunted mansion because of Madame Leota. And he's still waiting for Priscilla. For some reason, he can't seem to find her. Um, And Madame Leota and little Leota are trapped there because of what they did. And then the party all throughout the mansion is essentially the town people and the the wedding party. And that's why they're all doomed to live there as well because of what Madame Leota did. And if you recall in the original attraction before Constance, the axe-wielding menace idiot idea bride uh, showed up, there used to be a wedding dress in, uh, in the attic by a trunk. And it, no one was in it, which was which was kind of creepy. And then, of course, the bride showed up later on, and then Constance showed up. So it does make a lot of sense. I think there's some liberty taken through some of the pieces, and as the attraction continues to, to go on in years, I'm sure that story's been told and retold and added. It's pieces are added subtracted. But I love that story. There's a, a romance to that that is much better than, uh, than Master Gracie now just kind of spieling and Constance being there. I think that's a, I don't, I don't really think that's, that would be the way that the original creators would have intended. I like the, I like the romance of it. I thought there was something kind of beautiful in the story of, I mean, it's weird. Don't get me wrong. It's like this weird love triangle thing, but I thought there was a, a, a certain beauty in that. And I, I love that story. So I continue to, uh, to believe that story. If it's right, if it's, or if it's not right or, or whatever, but I, that's the way I always tell it when people ask me, um, you know, when they're, when I'm taking them around the parks and they're asking me about the history of the attractions and things like that, I, I tell that story and I, of course, you know, let them know it's not like that anymore, but that was something that I really thought was a cool story. So let's talk about the walkthrough of the attraction. Uh, I wish I could remember more of this, but it's been a long time and I took some pictures and I'm actually gonna post those pictures to the WDW Tales Instagram account. Um, so if you wanna see some of the backstage pictures of uh, me and my friends um, being in the the, um, the ballroom scene or out in the uh, the graveyard or, uh, or other places, uh, me playing the organ in the ballroom, <laughs> Um, they're going to be on there, so you can take a look, and, and there's a you know a, a, a good sense of of the backstage of the attraction. But I didn't take a lot of pictures. I wish I did. Um, but the first thing that I will say is when the work lights are on in an attraction, it is like it's it's the mood is totally killed. It feels uh, it it doesn't feel like a haunted attraction at all. It doesn't feel. It just feels kind of like it's a it's a room full of a bunch of old dusty. Um, images uh on the wall and and robots and mannequins it's so funny that the minute the light turns on and the music turns off it's like there's really no magic i mean it's cool to to me because i love theme park attractions and and doing walkthroughs and seeing stuff that you normally don't see 
uh, but you're just like, okay, it's kind of like Space Mountain with the lights on. You're like, you're like, cool, and then you're like, eh, it's not really anything. Uh, so that will kill the mood. But the whole attraction itself, it felt like um, like a movie set from like the 70s. So anything that uh, a guest couldn't see with their naked eye, anything that was hidden or you couldn't see was not done. I mean, like walls would just totally stop and on the back of the walls, it, you know, of course it wouldn't be painted and um, it, you would just, uh, you, you know, you'd be af- almost afraid to touch anything because you didn't know if it was real or not, like if it was made of paper or if it was made of cardboard and it was going to fall apart. So, and it was really old. So I was, we were always just very, you know, worried about touching anything. So, so nothing would break. Um, but also like the, the ride, it, it, it serpentines so much. It goes back and forth and back and forth that one moment you're in, um, you're in the library and the next moment you're like in the seance room and the next moment you're in the attic. Um, it, it's, it, it, it's almost like you could, uh, it, it, the, the attraction's not that wide if you go from one end to the other, but because you go back and forth so many times, it feels like it's a lot longer. Um, so it's really it's really neat how they packed a lot of space in there. And of course, the stretching room being completely different um, than the Disneyland one in, in functionality, in that the one in Disneyland is an actual elevator that takes you underneath the, the berm of the park and puts you into the show building where at the Magic Kingdom it's the show building's right behind you so uh the the stretching room just goes up and uh you don't really move anywhere uh but it's neat to see like uh the the controls right there's a kind of a door in between the two rooms where the stretching room happens and there's like um they kind of show you the the uh the maintenance controls of, of how it all works and and with the lights on it's easier to see through the scrim where uh, Master Gracie's hanging, and it's actually not that high up, which is which is cool. We didn't get to go up and and look across where Master Gracie hangs. We weren't allowed to because that's a, a maintenance area. Uh, but there is some stairs and a door that leads up, and you can open it up, and there's there's Master Gracie looking right at you. Um, but if we go through the attraction, there's the part where you start with the library, and the library has these marble busts that uh, that seem to follow you as you go as your Omni Mover moves from right to left and and the and attraction talks about the the literary uh the the best ghost writers the literary world has ever known and um i don't know if you know this but those marble busts aren't marble first of all they're um they're like a plexiglass hard plexiglass and they're almost like uh like cake um cake designs where if you were to make like a cake of a you know a dinosaur or something like that you'd you'd fill the mix in and then you'd flip it over it's a relief that's what it's called uh but that's all it is all it is is it's just like a cake pan that's shaped like some writers shaped like humans and then that's the way that it appears with that in the lighting as you're moving it appears like they're following you it's just an old um it's an old uh magician's trick and uh, just a little bit of sleight of hand and, and lighting makes you feel like these uh, really do rotate and follow you across. And then the stories inside the library, most of them are real ghost stories. And the other ones are nods to the Imagineers and the, the team who worked on it, the, um, the attraction. And I thought there was something else. I can't remember what it was, but there was something, some story about one of the books in there it wasn't it was the bible or no it wasn't that it was something that was like totally out of place but it was an inside joke with the the people who created the ride i'll have to look and see if i can find that and if i remember then i'll 
I'll post a, I'll post an update on my my Twitter. Uh, but then moving into the endless hallway. So the endless hallway, as you go through, first of all, uh, if you turn to your right, there is like a black piece of uh, there's a black curtain uh, that was actually there because uh, the original intention was to have a cast member there to, to um, allegedly to scare um, to scare cast members or <laughs> sorry to scare guests uh, the cast member would be there to, to scare guests um, but then I think what it was used for was used more for when things like grad nights were going on cast members were staffed there just to make sure that nobody was was getting wild on the attraction uh, but if you look straight ahead and you see the candelabra and it seems like it's just floating in air and and then there's an endless hallway that, that goes on the way that that works is there is a, uh, a thin screen like a scrim that is see-through um, but you can hit it with the right light and you project a picture of the candelabra and so your eyes look past the candelabra because you it it's it basically the the perspective is forced upon you because you see the rug and you see the walls and that's real and it forces you to look forward and as you look forward the the uh, illusion continues but now it's just actually uh, the the carpet's a little bit thinner and the walls are thinner so it makes it look like it goes on forever and of course you see the candelabra just just floating there so it's actually not that deep it's probably maybe like 12 feet 10 feet maybe um, and you could, we could walk right up to that scrim, to that screen, and touch it. And then right behind it is essentially the, the rest of the, um, the rest of that endless hallway. So it's really not that, that, uh, that endless. And then the other thing in that room was, uh, let's see, the uh, there's a like a purple chair and it has a bunch of white squiggly light lines on it. So there was a, a, a large discussion when the ride was made or when, when rides were being made about hidden Mickeys. And one of the Imagineers um, was a big Donald Duck fan. And whoever did the upholstery of that chair created um, a, a hidden Donald Duck, if you will. So if you look at it long enough, you can kind of tell it's Donald Duck looking straight at you. You see the hat. He used to wear that old sailor's cap. And so that hat is on and... Uh, it's kind of off to the side a little bit with the tag sticking out and then the Donald is <laughs> the Donald is staring right back at you. Um, so if you've kind of looked at it sideways and you're like, that kind of looks like Donald Duck, it's actually intentionally supposed to be Donald Duck. So uh, at least this is what the cast member told us and it, it seemed uh, it, it made total sense to me. Um, but then as you go through the attraction, there's that really cool, like super famous wallpaper, the purple wallpaper with all the eyes and the creepy faces that are kind of uh, intrinsically built into the the wallpaper and everybody uh, loves that wallpaper like it's on everyone's computer screen it's on everybody's wall uh, phone on their wallpaper on their phone Uh, but there were like three gigantic rolls of this wallpaper just sitting in boxes right behind that scene and it was such a bummer because they looked like they'd been there forever like it looked like the wallpaper was starting to like it was wet or it it didn't look like it had been used in a long time and I think it's just for backup but all of us were like, can we just like, can we just score a little, a little swatch of that paper just to like take it with us? And we, of course we couldn't, um, but it was also surrounded by like a lot of lights and, and actually like a lot of machines and, and um, actuators for all the, the scenes of the people pu- pushing the doors back. And uh, we we're like, damn, if we could only like, grab a little bit of that. But unfortunately we couldn't. 
Uh, but it was neat to walk down that hallway because it's really narrow in there. And of course, the Omnimovers weren't moving at that time uh, because uh, for safety's sake. But uh, you could basically uh, kind of cut in between the Omnimovers on both sides and really like get close up to the doors. And you can see some of the doors are made of hard rubber and that's why they bend. And other ones like where the hands are just you can just see the hands, but then you turn around and there's like nothing like but like two metal stakes kind of keeping poles keeping the hands there it's like there's no there's nothing more that is created that you don't see and uh <laughs> you're just like wow this thing is like they were so efficient in, in creating this and then there are the the two griffins she said one's name is merv and i can't remember the other one but of course merv griffin and you know inside jokes i'm sure that's just a recent cast member attraction joke um so then going into the seance room where Leota basically calls up, you know, her, either her family or the wedding guests, the wedding party to bring them into the, um, the ballroom. So back then there was, uh, it wasn't a digital projection of digital map projection, um, like it is today. They basically used a very, very tiny projector on a mannequin's face and then a lot of cotton to make like the the smoke around her inside the bowl a lot of smoke around her inside the bowl and the way that was executed was where her crystal ball was and where the chair and the table were that was actually elevated and it, and it had to be elevated off the ground to make the effect work appropriately and then underneath it was probably about 10 to 15 feet of drop and then there was all this uh projection uh equipment and and uh animatronic uh you know like junction boxes and and electronic boxes because that that effect was so ahead of its time it took like all these pieces to make it work effectively um because if even if the projection was off a little bit you it would ruin the scene if she if, if her projecting onto her face didn't fit just right then it would totally mess up the scene. And with her floating around, it had to have a lot of pieces moving um, to make sure that that worked. So there was like, there's a there's like a safety wall in between the doom buggy, the Omnimover, and the show scene right there. And there's probably, it's probably like, I don't know, three feet, three and a half feet. But if you looked over, there was like this cargo netting and that cargo netting was uh, the only thing that stopped anybody from tripping over and falling and falling like pretty hard I, I guess a maintenance guy fell once in, and because there's the netting had hooks where you could unhook it and hook it and this was before I guess a lot of OSHA stuff but he tripped and fell and broke his leg and it was like a big story um, so like no one was around to go, allowed to go near that scene and, and all that stuff now I think what happened today is as they redid the scene I think they filled in the floor because they don't need all those effects anymore it's all done uh, with computers now. So they filled in that floor the best they can. So no longer can you peer over the side and see the netting and then look straight down. And if you look, and there's some parts, if you look straight down, you could see all the, the guts of the, of the effect working to make it, to make the show scene uh, happen. So that was interesting. I, I never even knew that I, until we went and took a look at, you know, we walked through there and I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of a neat effect. And they, they never did anything with it until they had to. So, um, yeah, it was interesting, very interesting. And then, of course, the ballroom scene, the most famous of all scenes um, within the Haunted Mansion. We all know the Pepper's Ghost effect, and the Pepper's Ghost effect is if you look at something projected, or if you look at a reflection of a mirror, a uh, reflection of glass a specific way, it looks very ghostly. And so we all know that, but what uh, you may not know 
is that as you uh, go up, and the reason that you go up and you look down on everyone is because directly underneath you are all the um, the, the props and set pieces and, and mannequins that make that scene happen. So in order for you to look at the glass and then what looks like uh, the party, a ghostly apparition of, of, of a wedding party doing their thing within the ballroom, that's all happening underneath you. It's, a, it's just a practical effect. So... Um, you know, there's uh, some folks dancing, some folks waltzing. There are two, uh, there are two men dueling. If you look up top, there, uh, there are people sitting at the table and they're they're feasting, and there's someone sitting by the fireplace. So all of that, of course, is uh, is negatively reflected to you from from where they are. So t- take that scene, that that those people dancing. And if you if there's a hole in the floor and you look down, that's where they'd be, and you'd see them spinning around. So they're basically like on these carousels, these automated carousels that would make them kind of move in in, in sequence with the music. And of course, because it's all negatively reflected, well, the women are actually leading the dance, not the men, uh, because if they didn't, then it, all the women would be leading in the effect, and, and it would throw things off, I guess you could say people would, would find that a little bit weird, but all of those, um, all those mannequins have uh, reflective paint on them, and some of them have, um, some of their costumes have a little bit of color, and because that color needs to kind of just barely bleed through when you see the effect, so it just, it, it adds a little bit of depth to the effect, and if you look all the way back against the wall, it looks like there are some stairs, and the stairs go up and then the, if you were to go up the stairs, you could turn right and you could go outside of the ballroom into presumably another scene. Well, only the first few steps, maybe the first 15 or 20 steps are real and the rest of it's painted on. So I'll post a picture on our Instagram uh, that shows us standing there. Unfortunately, this is before digital cameras and the photo's a little blurry, but you can see the effect of how it stops and, in, and where the, the steps stop and the painting uh, happens and starts but when you're sitting all the way back where you are in the doom buggy you can't there's no way you can tell I mean now you can it looks a little faded and worn but um, but you really have to be looking for it and then the 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 organ my like my favorite scene I don't know why I love it but I love the creepy guy and he's just playing the organ and it's kind of out of tune and it's a little you know it's it's just very ga- ghostly and and scary because uh, being a musician, you want to. I want to hear things that are in tune, and this is just a little bit. I think it's like off by like a third, minor third, or minor eighth. Um, but the, you know, as you're watching him play, and you're seeing these phantasms fly out of the the pipes of the organ, so that effect is done. Essentially, that animatronic um, organist is 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 underneath the doom buggies, just like everyone else, um, dressed up in a creepy hat and an overcoat. Uh, but he has no face, and then the phantasms, those little skulls that fly up, they're also on a carousel, but the carousel is like a, uh, it's not, uh, it's not horizontal, it's vertical, so it's, as it spins, these heads turn over, and it looks like they just, you know, there's seemingly endless heads that just fly out of the, the pipes of the organ, and, and so it's all very, it's, it's incredibly clever for the time that it was created. No computers, no nothing. This was all sleight of hand and old school vaudeville magic tricks to make this whole scene come to life. And every time you go and, and, 
and ride that, you know, focus on a, a different part of the ballroom because there are so many things to see. Some of it is a little bit kooky. Um, there's a, there are hints of Mark Davis in there, but it's, this is really a, a, a Raleigh Crump scene. I mean, it's really just this beautiful, you know, haunting and, and, and creepy, but, but, uh, you know, romantic, creepy, uh, scene, you know, there's, there are so many things happening here. And of course we all know the, the hidden Mickey on, um, the flatware and uh, on the table and that originally was not supposed to happen in fact for a long time imagineering pulled it apart and said this is that's cheesy and it's too easy to notice and then after a while i think they gave in and said all right this is this is okay so moving out of the ballroom scene and now we go into uh really what feels like a quintessential mark davis scene uh, going into the graveyard where there's so many things going on where, where the wedding party has moved from uh, the party's moved from the wedding party to more of Madame Leota's um, uh, previous encounters more dead bodies and, and ghosts and, and other phantasms uh, such as uh, you know the guy who who's uh, who's fully wrapped the mummy is fully wrapped and he's mumbling very mark davis and there's a guy holding the old ear amplifier and he's saying hey you know that is very mark davis and the the ghosts in the back scene on the left are um, floating or flying around in circles and that is done by uh they're actually um, bicycles on a turntable and the bicycles with the with the ghosts on them are are moving around in circles and uh, so it looks like they're flying around and flying around, and, and all of these characters are, are uh, either in dayglow paint or they're wearing um, see-through raincoats, like that that plasticky nylon that you know it's heavy, but when it's hit with a black light, it kind of gives off this sh- this blue color and the sheer see-through blue, and that's how they get that effect. So all of these effects are moving uh, at once, and uh, and they're all basically. Um, kind of building up to that end of kind of you know scaring you out of uh of the grounds of the mansion where you you hit the the crypts and that's of course where you see you know phineas and crew and they basically will will ride home with you and uh and so that effect essentially is is just like the pepper's ghost except when you this is before again before all the digital stuff um but as you turned into those mirrors there were uh there were uh, maybe uh 12 or 15 different of the three characters um different poses of them and they were in sync with your omnimover so and as they and you went through one way they were projected through one way glass or one through mirror one way mirrors so as you were going by and you looked in the mirror of course you saw yourself but then you saw that character whatever they were doing sitting next to you um again another old school trick that doesn't take a lot to turn on it's just having the right pieces and setting the right context around it and so that took you through um through the end of the attraction and then uh there was some debate as we walked out about the wedding ring uh this cast member was fully in belief that as master gracie hung himself the wedding ring he had for priscilla had flown out of the window and landed and locked into the end of the uh, the end of the the ride as you exit, but there uh, that's something I didn't believe. I think that was just a stanchion hole, and in fact, it's been paved over because I think the Imagineers were were tired of of hearing about 
um, you know, the, 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 the wedding ring. Um, but then also, if you don't know, as you come out, right before you leave the attraction, the, the awning, if you turn to the right, that is a uh, cast member walkway that gets you back to the uh, stretching room and, and the foyer of the, um, of the attraction. And it's totally themed in there. And there are like uh, all these different hidden gems uh, that I, uh, I'll leave with the cast members there because I think that's just, you know, you guys don't have to know everything. Um, but it was, it was a really cool experience and uh, I, you know, I mentioned before how I walked through Spaceship Earth, um, and that one was probably a little unauthorized. But this one was uh, a, a tour guide giving you the story about what it's like to work there, and uh, all the different stories of uh, people who have hopped out of the ride and uh, and tried to find their way into the ballroom scene, um, who have actually tripped because they were trying to get, you know, there's that, that huge de- descent as you get into the graveyard scene and, uh, you know, tripped and fell. Um, and people who have, you know, tr- fallen on the netting of, this, of the Leota scene. Um, so it's best that everyone just stay put inside the dune buggies uh, because that ride has been built and rebuilt and built on top of each other so many times that there are so many you know, different bits and pieces of it. But... Um, that was a, a great experience, and and uh, I, I wish I would have done more backstage tours when I worked there. But um, and on the flip side, we did a tour of the Great Movie Ride for the the Mansion cast members, which was not as magical, I'm sure, for them as what we got to see for um, the Haunted Mansion. Uh, but it was it was super cool. So that's today's episode, talking about uh, the Haunted Mansion because uh, Halloween is just around the corner. Um, I could have told you a couple stories about the days I did Halloween Horror Nights, but I, I figured uh, we all love Haunted Mansion, and uh, you know I didn't I didn't I don't think I gave anything away other than just to say that uh, it really is uh, it, you know it's it's a quintessential movie set of an attraction if I've ever seen one. So uh, hopefully maybe one day you'll get a get the opportunity to take a tour of it like I did. So if you want to check out some of the pictures that I took while I was there, again, they're pretty grainy and old because, you know, we didn't have digital cameras back then. Um, I'm going to post them on, um, on WDW Tales uh, Instagram and probably the Twitter page, a couple of them. Um, but I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I hope you guys have a, a happy and scary Halloween, and I'll see you next time. Mortals pay a token fee, rest in